Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 17th, 2021 from North Myrtle Beach. Y'all ready for this? Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at some of the latest political news happening in our state. Victoria Hansen has a report on our friend Meg Kennard and her breast cancer journey. I spoke with a cybersecurity expert about the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, and Scott Morgan talks with parents of adolescents as young as 12 who are now eligible to get the Pfizer vaccine, and much more in this episode. Also, a very happy birthday to two of my favorite people, my older brother Nick and Meg Kennard, both sharing a birthday on May 18th. We should start doing birthday shoutouts, like make it a thing. But you have to leave us a voicemail, and in order to do that, you got to give us a call at 803-563-7169 and tell us what's going on in your world and what's it like to not wear a mask at the grocery store. We want to know. 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and just uh, the latest that's happening with you. Yeah, and any gossip, you know, whatever. (laughs) 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,653 total deaths, and currently there are 588,593 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of May 16th at 4 p.m. Our percent positive rate is 3.5%. There are currently 310 patients hospitalized with COVID-19. 90 are in intensive care, and 43 are on ventilators. So far, 34.7% of eligible South Carolinians have been fully vaccinated. That number dipped just a little bit now because it includes residents aged 12 and up. We'll get more on that in just a little bit. Let's start our politics section off with a little roundup of news that happened over the weekend. Governor Henry McMaster signed the bill that requires death row inmates to choose between the electric chair or the firing squad as a method of execution since the state can no longer procure lethal injection drugs, which has led to a backlog of executions. Three inmates currently have exhausted their appeals, but the state has not carried out an execution in more than a decade. With the new law, South Carolina became the fourth state to offer the firing squad as an execution method. Of the nearly 50 bills to be ratified last Thursday, including the open carry with training bill, this was the first one the governor signed. In a tweet, McMaster said, quote, The families and loved ones of victims are owed closure and justice by law. Now we can provide it, quote. Expect court challenges to follow. Moving on, South Carolina Republican Party Chairman Drew McKissick was reelected to a third term on Saturday, easily defeating three challengers, including Georgia attorney Lynn Wood whose long-shot campaign was based heavily on conspiracy theories, unsubstantiated claims, and trying to be a bigger Trump supporter than McKissick, who was endorsed by the former president three times. McKissick won the support of some 67% of his fellow Republicans at the state convention, thanks in part to Trump, as well as McKissick's track record of growing the party in the state and helping flip several statehouse seats, and returning the 1st Congressional District back to Republican control. Now some national news. NPR reported on Monday that the U.S. Supreme Court said it would review next term whether all state laws that ban pre-viability abortions are unconstitutional, such as Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban. The court's 1973 ruling in Roe v. Wade declared that a woman has a constitutional right to terminate a pregnancy in the first six months when the fetus is incapable of surviving outside the womb. 
This upcoming case holds major potential ramifications for the future of the landmark ruling as well as our current law, which would outlaw abortions from taking place as soon as six weeks after conception. That law was immediately challenged after Governor McMaster signed it into law in February. And let's wrap up our politics section by talking about one of our favorite political reporters, Meg Kennard. Victoria Hansen of South Carolina Public Radio has this beautiful report about our favorite friend of the pod. Light cascades across Meg Kennard's face as she stretches out beside a second-story window in her Richland County home. Her skin glows beneath a colorful scarf wrapped elegantly around her head. There's no sign of her signature long black hair. Kennard is a well-known political reporter for the Associated Press. We talk as reporters about how as long as your name doesn't appear in the body copy of the piece, then you're doing okay because the story's not about you. But this story is about Meg Kennard and a journey she began four years ago. I was doing a personal breast check and I found something that felt like a very small pebble in my left breast. So, Kennard got her first mammogram at age 36. Doctors diagnosed the lump as a calcium deposit that would likely go away. But it did not. Kennard says it grew larger, and the skin around it began to change. Radiologists monitored the mass with mammograms. They did not recommend a biopsy until February of this year. That's when Kennard got the results from a woman she'd never met. She had stage 3 breast cancer. That phone call knocked my socks off. I wasn't expecting that. The now 40-year-old kept composed on the phone, then collapsed on her bed. She didn't want to tell her husband. He was in the shower getting ready for work. And I remember thinking how horrible I was going to feel to ruin his day. I just wanted more time before this took over our lives. Kennard's husband assured her they would fight cancer together, and he told their three children. She began chemotherapy and continued to work, even as powerful chemicals pumped the report visible in her chest. Kennard also armed herself with information. She traveled to Houston for a second opinion at MD Anderson, a renowned cancer center. Can you confirm name and date of birth are correct here? Yes. There, she hoped to confirm the diagnosis, but instead learned she had a more aggressive, rare form of cancer and in places previously tested. That blew my mind because I'd already been biopsied. I'd already been poked and prodded. Kennard now travels to Texas every couple of weeks, where she will temporarily move to undergo a double mastectomy and radiation once chemotherapy here is complete. She's been keeping a journal along the way. March 25th. No one wants to hear they were misdiagnosed, but when you hear it from the best cancer docs in the world, it actually doesn't seem so bad. This typically private reporter is sharing her story on social media, encouraging others to see their doctors, to get mammograms, to follow up, to ask questions, to advocate for themselves when they think something is off. She wants people to know breast cancer does not wait for a certain age. And self-exams, like the one she performed, can be life-saving. I shudder to think what could have been happening in my body 
and how long it would have taken me to finally know. She again flips through her journal. Grateful for the once mundane moments that now feel extraordinary. Lots of blank pages to fill up. Each page turned holds promise for a new day. Just a great report right there from Victoria. We love you, Meg, and we look forward to you kicking cancer's butt. And we're back, folks. Yes, we're happy to report that the Colonial Pipeline slowly returned to operation late last Wednesday. But the ramifications of the four-day shutdown of the main gasoline supply line for 45% of the East Coast is still being felt in our state and others. As of our taping Monday afternoon, some 45% of gas stations were still reporting outages in our state. At the heart of this matter was the ransomware attack by hackers from the group DarkSide that held Colonial Computers hostage for a reported $5 million that the company paid. On This Week in South Carolina, I spoke with Megan Stiefel. She's the Executive Director for the Americas with the Global Cyber Alliance, a nonprofit that works to reduce cyber risk. Stiefel, who is based in Charleston, said we can expect to see more devastating attacks in the future if companies aren't proactive with cybersecurity measures and training their employees. Well, it's hard to say that there's one specific reason why this is occurring. In in many cases, there are a range of, of factors that can lead to Uh, the scale and scope of ransomware in this particular case. Ransomware is unfortunately the sign of a broader problem, and that problem really is a reduced uh, interest in and ability to implement good cyber hygiene. Here we're talking about known best practices, things like multi-factor authentication, the encryption of data at rest and in transit, other practices that companies can can develop and really practice, in fact, policies that they can practice that will reduce their likelihood of becoming the victim of a range of cyber crimes. Again, ransomware is just one type of cyber crime. There are a range of others, uh, business email compromise being an example of another type of malicious cyber activity that can occur when a company or an organization doesn't have to be a for-profit entity. It's important to note that too. We really, I think, are in this situation because we continue to struggle for uh, not only private sector entities, but also public entities to recognize the real threat that that cybercrime and particularly ransomware in this case poses. But when we talk about this being not necessarily a wake-up call, but perhaps maybe for the general general population this kind of was when it comes to cybersecurity, um, do you think that this will lead to some change, hopefully, because now we've all been, you know, subjected to the ramifications of this attack, and more so than we have in, you know, maybe some of these other isolated incidents when they attack a hospital or a local government or, or any, number, any number of entities, uh, what do you think might be a ramification outcome of this situation? We're already seeing increased conversation and calls in Congress for uh, additional regulation in this space. So even I think the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission director uh, is thinking about the need for mandatory uh, minimum requirements for cybersecurity for pipelines. There's also the um, executive order that, that the Biden administration made public last night. There's no direct application of that order to the private sector, right? Executive orders can only direct private sector, excuse me, not private sector entities, but executive branch entities. And there will be some requirements that that order is calling for that will flow down, though, to the private sector. So we'll see the likelihood that that products will be more secure to market, which will then help consumers as well as the government procure better and buy better, more secure devices. 
So who is who needs to take the lead here? Is this a private uh, private sector situation where they need to be making sure that they're up to snuff, or do we need the government to jump in and start regulating or passing more legislation to help support those missions? I'd say it's a little bit of both, right? We we have seen uh, actually ten years ago now when I was in government, uh, the executive branch proposed a range of cybersecurity. Uh, legislative proposals that ultimately most of them did not come forward and, and get passed into legislation. And, and one might look back on that and say, well, would, would we be in this situation had some of that policy made its way through Congress? Hindsight being 2020, we really need both the industry, both industry as well as the government to get their own houses in order, as well as to work together to ensure that, that they're helping consumers in this space because we're all interconnected. And that's the the, the real opportunity, but also the challenge that we, we each need to take steps, whether we're an individual, a, a small business, a large enterprise, uh, meaning a big company, um, as well as governments to do our part to make sure that we're being secure and we're being, we have the best cyber hygiene so that we don't, not unlike pandemics and, and other types of hygiene, we're not becoming the weak link that, that, help, that hurts others. Such an important topic and one that we all recognize affects all of us. You can check out my entire interview with Megan Stiefel of the Global Cyber Alliance by visiting our YouTube at youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. So we were happy to report the news last week that based on new research, the CDC stated that fully vaccinated folks no longer need to wear masks or socially distance while either outdoors or indoors. Limitations still exist, such as when flying or where restrictions remain in place. Now, this development happened as a result of the availability of the three safe and effective vaccines that are accessible to all Americans, including the Pfizer vaccine, which now has been approved for adolescents as young as 12. Scott Morgan with South Carolina Public Radio has this report on the decisions parents are making when it comes to getting their teen vaccinated. Would I get my kid vaccinated? Yes, but he's six, so I'd have to put him on stilts and sneak him in in a trench coat. Amy Hayes has a pretty crafty plot there. Sadly for this Rock Hill mom and definite fan of the COVID vaccine, she and her son will have to wait. The FDA and CDC now say it's okay for adolescents to get vaccinated, but some parents of younger kids in South Carolina so wish it was their turn, they're dreaming up their own variations on the old two boys sneaking into a movie routine. I would be shoving them to the front of the line, absolutely. There is not a question in my mind. Lauren Williams-Nosner and her husband got vaccinated in Columbia as soon as they became eligible. As the mother of five-and-a-half-year-old twin boys, Nosner is so pro-vaccine, she's trying a legit path to getting her sons protected now. I've actually signed them up for the Moderna trials. We have not heard back if they would ever accept it. Now, I will say, I, I don't know that I'd want them in phase one, which is where they're determining dosage. But once they determine the dose, I'm not concerned about the safety of the vaccine itself. This eagerness among parents with children still too young to get the vaccine speaks loudly to their desire to move past a pandemic that just keeps hanging on like the last 10 pounds. But for pro-vaccine parents of children who are of age... I have two daughters at home. Megan is going to be getting her vaccination as soon as we can get her schedule for it. And as soon as Stacy, my youngest, is approved, we're getting her signed up for it as well. Lori Keener's two daughters are 16 and 13. Both told her early that they wanted a vaccine and she's happy to drive them to get vaccinated as soon as she can. 
Keener, who is fully vaccinated, says that vaccinating children is simply the right and responsible thing to do, even if kids are not the most at risk for COVID's worst effects. Children can carry it, children can contract it, and children can die from it. And if they end up carrying it home to myself or to school to one of their teachers or to the home of one of their friends who has an immunocompromised system, that could prove deadly. Emily Athens encourages thinking of others too, but says she's also eager to get her 13-year-old daughter vaccinated for mental health reasons. I think my daughter is going to feel a lot better, actually. They just passed a strongly encouraged mask rule at school, so that probably means a lot of people aren't going to be wearing masks, and that's created a lot of stress for her. Athens also has a son who, somewhat frustratingly for her, is 11, and so just on the cusp. He turns 12 in September, though, so she's hoping to get through without his being vaccinated until at least then. Now, as you might suspect, not every parent in South Carolina is quite this keen on getting their kids vaccinated. I cannot see injecting my child with things that I don't even know what they are or what it's going to do to my child. Tony Ergel has a 15-year-old son and zero intention of getting him vaccinated. She refers to the shots as an experiment rather than a vaccine and says she doesn't trust what strikes her as constantly changing information from agencies like the CDC. Ergel says parents should be left to make the decisions they think are right about the vaccine for their families. She also says no one could come along to change her mind, with the possible exception of her son. If he told her he wanted it, she would hear him out. He knows that we are against the vaccine, even for adults. He says he feels the same way. He is, though, in high school, and there are a lot of different opinions and information that comes at him. And we always have told him we will let him make up his own mind. But he does know where we stand on it, and he would have to make a really good case. Which brings up a point. How much say should children have in their own health care during a pandemic? So that's a really good question. Dr. Martha Edwards is a pediatrician in Rock Hill who wants to encourage as many parents as possible to talk it out with their children and get them vaccinated if the kids are of age. You need to talk to them about why the vaccine is important, that you want to use it not only to protect yourself, but to protect the people around you. To parents worried about how safe or effective the COVID vaccines are, Dr. Edwards says the scale of this pandemic is giving researchers a heightened amount of feedback that might otherwise have taken them years to learn. Because this is a pandemic, we have very good efficacy data, we have very good safety data already. So my opinion is that kids should have a say, but parents should probably be really encouraging kids to feel comfortable getting this vaccine. Dr. Brennan Traxler, the state's director of public health, says it's vital that parents encourage these kinds of pro-vaccine conversations as the demographics of who is contracting COVID are skewing younger. As we get some of the older age groups vaccinated, we're seeing that the drivers of um, the spread of disease really is more and more shifting down to younger age groups. So right now we're really seeing those cases and those, you know, 15 to 25 year olds and we're really encouraging them to get vaccinated. Dr. Traxler says that parents should not be lulled by how well younger people have so far come through this pandemic. Teens and adolescents have been way less likely to have problems with all the current variants of SARS-CoV-2. But we don't know what mutations can develop and what implications those mutations could have. We need to stay ahead of this virus. Dr. Traxler says that with the okay to vaccinate adolescents, vaccination appointments should be open to parents and children in the state within a few days. Thanks for that report, Scott. And when I asked infectious disease expert Dr. Helmut Albrecht last week on TWISC whether parents should get their children vaccinated, he said yes, if you like your kids. 
And mark your calendars, folks. ETV is partnering with DHEC for a special live town hall this Thursday at 7 p.m. The hour-long event hosted by South Carolina Public Radio's Felicia Eady will address questions submitted by fellow South Carolinians for medical professionals to answer. It will also feature several discussions on COVID's impact on rural communities, people of color, and generational differences. Thursday, 7 p.m. on ETV. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. So tell us. The only way you can do that is by calling us at 803-563-7169. I want to know what it's like grocery shopping without a mask on. And I need need you to tell me that, okay? I've already talked to my family (laughs) about this, but I want to hear your experiences. (laughs) Tell us about some weird moments you're having in this post-mask world. We got the vaccine, folks. This is what happens. We get to live our lives again. 803-563-7169. And don't ask about the air fryers. We're still way short of our goal of 300 callers. So we're not even close. (laughs) We all got to do our part here to get those potential drawing for potential air fryer giveaway. International waters. AT, that the being air said, fryer, they, oh, you keep going. Go, do, go ahead, do, Gavin. Do, do, they, do we have any calls? Are we getting close? We got a call. Ooh. We got a call. Yeah, we got one call. This is our last call. So after this, I mean, the air fryer runoff is between these last two callers. So uh, <laughs> anyway, let, let this one short and sweet and uh, oh so nice. Let's go. Let's hear it. Hey, Gavin and AT, this is Cameron from uh, James Island. Uh, kind of resisted calling for a while because I didn't think I had much interesting stuff to say. I pretty much live out here, go to work at the point on James Island, and then that's pretty much it. Uh, fully vaxxed, feeling good about that, but, uh, you know, still trying to avoid bars, still not 100% confident in people. But, uh, hey, you know, just keep on keeping on all those things. Cameron from James Island, what a great place to live right there. Love it. Oh, Gavin gotta, loves We got to come hang out when I'm down there next time. Um, and love that you're fully vaxxed, but I understand your feelings about not being in, entirely confident but with everyone else out there. I know that's that's the big play right now. That's why we get to not wear masks, because if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear it. But you're not always not with everyone else is fully vaccinated. Yeah, we're also super rusty, everybody, from a year off of, of being social. And I understand. I mean, I, I, I'm a pretty social guy, you know, like yes. Gavin, Gavin can attest to this. And even I get more fatigue of being around crowds of people and like like more than 10 people at once yeah. than I used to. So like I, you, you got to ease your way back mm-hmm. in and I get it. But uh, thank you for calling cam. Thanks for being so dutiful and calling in and filling the hopper, even yes. just a little bit, just every a little, little bit. bit counts. Yes. But speaking of not being comfortable in crowds, <laughs> Gavin, <laughs> you're Great the intro. opposite. You're, you are, you're <laughs> a salmon. You're a salmon swimming upstream right here. Yeah, yes. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've been, I've got my vaccine, you know, I'm feeling good and you're safe. I'm, we're down According here in North to, Little Beach. Yeah. Experts. CDC says yeah. I'm oh. safe. So, so your dispatches from elsewhere, as you heard, you, yes, is from North Myrtle right now. Making right? a clarification that it is not Myrtle; it is North Myrtle. Bike mm. Week is wrapping up. We got Bike Week still going. <laughs> That's why uh, you're there, you know, right? The perfect, yeah. Doing a report on driving around <laughs> when there's a gas crisis, and it's like, oh, this is the perfect thing to be doing when we have no gas. <laughs> like, let's just but bike also, around. Like Gavin, you're a huge bike head. Really yeah, huge oh yeah. Everyone knows I got my Harley Fat Boy down here. Yeah, just tatted oh, yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, you, uh, you love uh, driving it on the beach, doing donuts <laughs> on the beach. You can't keep this guy out of a out of a leather jacket. He lives in a. I just, right? you know, it just I love that that feeling of the freedom. But <laughs> can't put a price on that right there. Just like so a price what, on what, comfort. Yes. 
What what have you been doing? What how have you been so spending down your here, time? Uh, spending a little a little birthday weekend for our friend Meg Knard. Like I said, it's her birthday yeah. coming up, so she invited me down to the beach with a few other friends. And so we're at this beautiful little resort in North Myrtle Beach. Got this uh, ocean front view, but you also got the pool and everything right in front of us there too. So we've been uh, hanging on the balcony a good bit, watching the people as they do their things. It's just, oh, just yes. very fun to people do. People watching, you know. But you get to watch it from twelve stories up, and you get to just. You know, make up different Bird's plots. Eye. You get Bird's to, eye. You just get to see everything that's going <laughs> oh, on. Oh, you're fill, you're filling in the plots yes. as you're watching. Oh, there's play oh, by play. Yeah, there's a to. lot of assumptions. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you know, we were hanging out actually in the pool the other day, and yeah. uh, you know, a lot of maybe some of the assumptions were true. You meet people from Indiana. I met these three cardiac nurses from Indiana. We're just swimming around, oh, yeah. swimming up at the Illustrious bar. Illustrious Indiana. You know, it's just um, you know, you just meet these different people from all over and everyone's like you know we just wanted to do it we're ready we're vaxxed we're down here we want to have fun and it's right before memorial day too so it's not too crazy but it's still pretty busy people have been dying to get out and about they, they these nurses they obviously knew who you were because they listened to the podcast they right? yes they did not know that but <laughs> I, <laughs> they didn't surprised know that they're they were listening to, to the south carolina lead in uh, indiana <laughs> up there by michigan but uh it was we, just, we track really well with hoosiers i heard yes and they were um I guess I can mention this too. They were doing a beer belly judging contest yes. by the people that were floating by. And there How was one would you have done in well, this contest. I, 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 based on their their scale, which was a little bunk in my opinion, and I'm not a, yeah. I'm not the most judgmental person. Everyone will say this. But about you me. are also an empirical. You but are. But I have a, a critical eye. I have a critical <laughs> eye. <laughs> and uh, so they they gestured at this one gentleman, and he's like, "Oh, he's a two. And this is like a this is a big belly. He this was is like jolly. good size. He was yeah. jolly. Yeah, just a, a hearty, healthy." man there and i was like a viral american and we're doing it one yeah. out of ten that was a two i'm like if that's a two what am i like negative three like i just didn't understand that's their a brag. scale that's a brag you know, yeah. a little bit of a brag <laughs> <laughs> but i'm like we need to readjust the scale ladies um but yeah so we've just been we've been hanging out listening to some 90s country music like i was telling you the Oof. we can hear the music coming up from the bar down there the bar the pool area they just they blast it from 11 o'clock until like maybe seven gross and it just starts off with your classic rock hits. Everyone's everyone's feeling good. They're getting bumped up. Get and then the they, juices. Get the juices going. And they get into the '90s and today the great hits. So um, it's the been nice. It's been today. a good. Yeah, it's been a nice little break. We're on the beach. The water's all right. I mean, it's good times down here. Come visit. Myrtle I can beach. tell you, Caitlin has been uh, monitoring your Instagram story mm-hmm. and going like, "Where is Gavin?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't Myrtle track beach. Gavin." Myrtle but beach. He, it, she is very jealous of the views that you had. But anyway, Gavin. Uh, tell Meg happy birthday for me. We will. And uh, uh, take it out. Put these people out of their misery. Yeah, folks. Tell me where you're on vacation right now or if you're going on vacation or some funny stories you've had while you're on vacation with people that you didn't plan to talk to, but they started talking to you. You can do that by calling 803-563-7169. And you can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on iTunes. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Horse racing? Yeah. That's not a sport. I don't think that's a sport. Um, do you know what it takes to be a jockey? It's the horse, the athlete. You got to be small. <laughs> you got to be tiny. You have to, you have to ride a horse. <laughs>